Alex. <laughs> hey, Blair. Hey. Uh, so I was thinking about it this morning, and, um, you know, it's kind of like a very heavy time in L.A. Mm. Um, with everything going on with um, Kobe and his daughter's passing and um, so the other families that were involved. Mm-hmm. And um, I read something this morning, uh, and it said, To feel affected by a death of someone you don't know is to realize that our reach, our impact, our energy extends beyond the circle we perceive to be our own. A reminder to be careful with words, to love and accept, share, inspire, and live an authentic life. After all, life is fleeting and you are powerful. Um, I feel like, you know, we talk about that here and I think the whole point of like, what we're doing is finding ways to be our authentic selves and to like live in our truths and to also, um, you know, we talk about like finding your voice and having a voice. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we are really powerful as humans to be able to reach people. And I think it's such an important thing to remember that like, you know, no matter what, how how you live your life and how you treat people and and you know what you put out there um has an effect on people you may not even know it has an effect on right and i think like through art creating art i think that that's an important thing to remember and to consider especially because art touches people so deeply in, in more ways than one, you know, it could, um, infuriate you. It could fire you up. It could, you know, make you feel love or connectedness. So yeah, I just, that, that was on my mind. It's super powerful. That's for sure. Um, and it's so, yeah, life is so precious. Something can catch you off guard and, 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 make the meaning of something change so drastically, right? Mm-hmm. Like when the the impermanence, is that a word? Mm-hmm. The impermanence of life um, is what makes it so meaningful. And, the, you know, the, you need, you got to show up and seize the day and, and do your best and um, say I love you to the people that you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We... Uh, we just had a call with Ariel Kebel. We sure did. Who, um, she's in New York, so she couldn't be in studio, but she took the time to hop on the phone, and uh, we had a great chat with her, and, and she really kind of touched upon a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about now, and, and kind of... Um, she's very spiritually driven. Yeah, and I think that uh, she's inspiring, because this is um, an actor who is really involved in so many different things that are helping others and animals and um she's a huge advocate for mental health um she's meditating she's she's doing all the things she's going to be creating her own content soon which Um, we're very excited about (laughs) yes but one thing that struck me she we asked her what her um just a little teaser a little spoiler we asked her what her motto or mantra is um and she said she had a word for 2020 which is nourish nourish. or nourishment Yeah. yeah and i love that thinking about things um in that way like is this gonna nourish me it's 
is this not? Like, what do I need to do to honor myself right now? And I'm taking this opportunity to bring up the fact that you just got a fiddle leaf tree, Alex. Um, <laughs> I really want a fiddle leaf tree, and I was We're very inspired. We're going to cut this part. <laughs> I thought that was a cool thing to do to like nourish your spirit and and plants are so like evocative of what we're talking about too like the it's you have to nourish them in order for them to grow and yeah we're like that and yeah I will and, say like it's it's amazing what having a plant or a tree in your home can really do to your mindset yeah like I walk in and I see my tree and <laughs> And I'm jazzed. You are? <laughs> yeah, there's something about it. I think there's like a, there's a scientific thing with, you know, having plants in your home. Yeah. I'm just getting on the train. Like affects you on a cellular level? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well. So tell us a little bit about Ariel before we start. Ariel is, uh, well, she's a, she's a wonderful actor who has been acting for quite some time. She's, she started on uh, Gilmore Girls and she was on uh, Vampire Diaries and now she is on a show called Lincoln Rhyme. In New York City. Which just premiered. And um, she's she's such a well-rounded, well-spoken woman. So I'm excited to have everybody hear the conversation. It was really good. Because as we said, we're, we're doing this after the fact. But uh, yeah, we can't wait for you guys to listen. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. Ariel. Hi. Hi, this is Hi. Alex. This is Blair. Hi, yeah, we're so happy to have you. So you've got your hands <laughs> yeah. full in a good way. I have my hands full. Well, yeah, we just wrapped the show on Friday. And, uh, you know, wrapping in New York while I'm doing press and adopting a puppy is quite the combo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I bet it is. How is your, sh- how was your show? How was shooting? So you're, you're on a show, Lincoln rhyme hunt for the bone collector. Yes. 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 Um, it's been, a, it's been an amazing experience. Um, it, uh, it, I mean, it's one of my favorite roles to date and filming in New York has been a dream come true. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've been really ready for a role to sink my teeth into, and this is the role that's giving me that, and I'm just so grateful for that. That's yeah. awesome. And also, like you said, to shoot in New York, I mean, New York is like a whole character in and of itself, so it's just such an experience. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, all right, well, let's Let's just dive in here. Let's um, do it. We usually just start from kind of the beginning and work our way up. So you were born and raised in Winter Park, Florida. What was that like? Um, I mean, as good as any other town to grow up in, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, Winter Park is really charming. It has its, it's, it's a very kind of unique town it has a small town um feel and there's a sweet little thing called park avenue it's all like brick roads and small little boutique stores and kind of different restaurants you see you know family friends on and everything so it had a very sweet feel growing up um at the same time i was really one of the few i mean honestly my friends would literally like call me weird that i wanted to leave you know i just had bigger 
I think I just came into this world wanting to see the world Mm -hmm. and not everyone Mm -hmm. does and that's okay. Yeah. But for me, I always knew I wanted to, to leave and, and go explore my dreams and, and different towns and countries and cities. And so I had, uh, you know, I had no problem leaving there at 17. (laughs) Oh, wow. You knew, so you knew really early on. How old were you when you were like, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I'd always been very focused on something, whatever that something was. So mm-hmm. growing up, it was competitive horseback riding. Um, oh, nice. I love, I love animals. I love competition. I love sports. Um, so I really thought that my future was more in like, you know, competitive horseback riding, be it as a pr- uh, profession or in the Olympics. And then, you know, life unfolds and one thing led to another. And I was... I'd already kind of been doing modeling as just a way to start building a savings account when I was young. And then that led to commercial work, but I didn't really know what actual acting was. And once I discovered that I was hooked, I just found, I felt like it had the, um, I've been, I've always been fascinated with psychology as well and human mm-hmm. behavior. So it, it had that element to it of like studying different people and characters and, sure. and human behavior. And then, um, it also had the kind of sense of self competition. Like, you know, when I would go in for an audition, I was never against anyone else. I always felt I was against myself because it's up to me when they call action to like a hundred percent dedicate myself to that character or not. Yeah. That kind of sense of competition felt familiar to me and kind of the adrenaline rush that I liked from horseback riding. And, and also it kind of showed me like, Hey, I can do this as a living. And it's also a way that I could support my animals and have a farm and do the other things I love. So that all kind of came to me when I was like 15 or 16. And once I realized that I was like, I don't really need high school. It is what it is. Like I'm kind of out of here. So I worked ahead, graduated early and moved to LA at 17. And then what was your experience when you moved to LA? Like at 17, how did you find it? (laughs) Um, you know, Two things. I did know because I was always driven. I wasn't worried in the sense that I knew I would know how to take care of myself one way or another, whether it was hard or not. I knew I would do it. But at the same time, um, I do feel too like ignorance is bliss. Like now looking at it going like, oh, my God, I was 17 when I moved there. Really? Like I'm almost (laughs) more afraid of it now. Sure. Yeah. Than I was then. So I do think there was a little bit of like, thank God, ignorance is bliss. Um, totally. But I, I also had great advice from my parents. They always taught me to reinvest in my business. So when I made money, I would get new headshots or I would save my money or like they were the ones that said, you know, move to LA, but don't move without representation. And so right. I didn't necessarily have a job in LA, but I did have an agent and a manager working for me. And my first audition was Gilmore Girls. Oh, and I fun. ended up getting it. So that was a really wild experience for me. To be honest, I don't, I didn't really even realize what a huge show it was. Like I just, cause it all happened so fast. Um, That's amazing. Like your first audition out of the gate and that was, and and then you're you're off to the races. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, So it was it was a really exciting time in my life. Cause I had just moved to LA and I was working on a show like literally mm-hmm. the next day. Um, but at the same time it was a recurring role. 
so I never knew when I was going back to the show. And so right. in between, I wanted to like waitress or be a nanny or find jobs I could do that would give me a little bit more like security. Right. And um, so that was kind of an interesting dynamic. Like one day I'd be on set with catering. The next day I'd be like serving someone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. that was it's like the weird dynamic. paradox of being an actor, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think at a lot of people, home kind of looked at me like I was already like famous and didn't really understand what I was going through and so like I really lost almost like all my friends from high school which really blew my mind because I was like what (laughs) but also I was like okay if that's you know so I think it just you know and I remember one day I was working on CSI when my friends were going to prom and because I I didn't go to prom obviously I was working on CSI yeah um and I remember asking myself like where would I rather be? Like, because there was a moment where I was missing that. And then I was like, you know, kind of like, did I screw up? You know, should I have these experiences, you know, experience of going to prom, the experience of going to college, you know, like how much does that matter to me versus what I'm doing now? And then I kind of was like, no, you made the right choice. You're doing what you want. Like it always comes at a cost. Like you can't do what you want without it coming at a cost and so Mm -hmm. then I just was like yeah this is the cost for me and that's okay um yeah I feel like I I relate to that a a lot I did I shot my first pilot when I was 16 and so I had a lot of those thoughts of like you know I didn't go to prom and I didn't a lot of the experiences that my friends were having I wasn't having and I gave I sacrificed so much but that's like one of the biggest things I tell people when they're like well what what advice would you give? And it's like, you just really have to love it so much because you are going to sacrifice so much, but it's like so worth it. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what was the pilot? I did a pilot called House Blend. It was for the WB when the WB was still the WB. <laughs> My gosh. Yes. I was there when it was the WB. <laughs> yeah. It didn't get picked up, but it was a sitcom. How fun. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And what you were saying, it's like that, like kind of blind faith, blind optimism, kind of ignorance where it's like, I did a pilot at 16. I had no idea what it meant. I had no idea what pilot season was. And now it's like pilot season is such a different, has such a different meaning. And it's, it's crazy how you, how it compares. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to pursue acting until I graduated from college. It was a rule. And I went to UT in Austin, and I I was a theater major. Um, but wow. I know, right? Wait, you said you went to Austin, Texas? <laughs> yeah, UT in Austin. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just with, I don't know if you guys know the ATX Festival. Yeah. Yes. Love them. Yes. So well yes, done. Yes, you did. Yes. So, um, I was just with those girls this weekend. We had, I'm a board member of the festival and we had an event last night at Katie Keene screening. And so oh, the nice. girls came out. Yeah, the girls came out early and we had some fun in New York and it was so nice to see them. But, uh, They're but such man, Austin's wonderful people. where it's at. Yeah, we all have <laughs> yes. a connection. I lived in Austin. I shot a show in Austin for two years. Blair mm-hmm. went to school oh there. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best place. And it, it was yeah. It was very in it was very formative to who I am and, and college and, and all of that was, was wonderful. But on the flip side of y'all's experience, I remember I'd come home from class some days and like have this weird sense of anxiety that like 
I'm not in LA. I'm not like doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm 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 getting you know my degree and I'm I'm doing it's like it's a different path. But I think that yeah, at the end of the day, experience is what is most important, right? And and following our gut and and standing for what we believe in. And you guys followed your gut. You're like, this is what I want to do, and it and it happened pretty quickly, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I have a lot of friends that went to college first and now are in acting as well. I think, yeah, I think everyone just has their own path. Yeah, I think so. So on that, um, do you feel like there, do you feel like there's been a point or there was a point in your career where you felt like you could finally be choosier with the roles that you um, audition for or take instead of it being like out of necessity? I mean, that's a great question. Yes and no, right? Like, obviously, you know, in the beginning, obviously, there's kind of that thing where you just want to work. But even in that, I remember when I was like 19 and, you know, there's always weird independent films around. And like, there'd be sometimes people would want me to do them. And I remember my agents being like, no, this is a shit role. Like, you don't want to look back on this and be embarrassed. And I was like, yeah, but I want to pay rent. And they're like, well, go be a waitress. Don't take the shit role. So I I think the answer is yes and no, because if you have good representation, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't want you to take a crappy job. And at the same Mm -hmm. time, that that also, that choice comes at a consequence. Like, you can choose to do a crappy job to pay the bills, or you can choose to say no and go have another crappy job to pay the bills. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like it, it, when I say crappy, I, I, I that's without judgment. It just means it's not fulfilling to your heart. You know, right. it's like, it's like one way or another, if you're having to choose a job to pay the bills, that's what it is, you know? And so, Like, I wish I, I listened to them. Like there are some roles early on that like I look back and I kind of cringe and I'm like, why did I feel like I needed to do that? You know, like, because it's there forever. And like, I, I actually would have preferred to just go waitress during that time because there's nothing wrong with that. And now I have to like live with this stuff that's out there. And so that's a learning lesson for me. And then at the same time, as I grow in my career and as a person and I'm older now, Yes, I'm definitely more picky. You know, I just was having this conversation with my agency managers late last night about something today. And, you know, it's it's never easy, I think, to say no. It's also very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the thing we were discussing last night is actually a very good script. It's a smart script. It's original. And for that, it was hard for me to say no because I so appreciate original these days. Yeah. Um, it's so rare. At the same time, my gut just felt like this isn't the thing that's for whatever reason, it's not exciting me in my gut. And I just came off of like six months of really hard work and I'm excited to work on something new. But if it's not exciting me in my gut, I have to listen to that. And so that's really hard too, because sometimes it's not a clear answer. It's just like, I don't know why this isn't igniting the thing in front of in, in me. And so I, I think, you know, we're in a unique business where it's so creative. You have to make smart business decisions, but it's also a creative business. And mm-hmm. so I don't think that there's ever, I think it's just, as I get older, the, the yes and no with the kind of pick your choices really just comes, uh, less from a place of being picky and more just like listening to your gut and trusting that you have a voice, like trusting that you can 
say no um, if it doesn't make sense to you. And I think earlier in my career, I almost thought, oh, well, I'm fortunate enough to be working. I should just say yes all the time. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think now I don't know if you feel have you felt this, but it kind of like this reminded me of this, um, what you were saying as far as like trusting your gut and you know, about the art of it and, and really, truly like we become, or, you know, you become actors because you just love it so much. And there's something that is in you that is like a fire. And Mm. I feel like the industry has shifted a little bit with like Instagram Mm -hmm. and social media. And then also too, just the way auditions happen, you know, a lot is on tape now. Everything feels a little less personable. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you maintain, like, the joy of the craft as far as, like, you know, we're talking business versus actually, like, doing the job? And you've been fortunate enough to be filming for six months. Um, So, obviously, I feel like it's probably a little bit easier um, to kind of find that joy. But, like, on the off periods when maybe you are auditioning, is it hard to kind of, like, keep your head on the – you know what I'm saying? Like, keep your eyes on the on the joy of Party. it. Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, um, but I think that's with any job. I mean, like, if you're at a 9 to 5 desk job, there's going to be those periods where you're, like, in a slump. And then those periods where something ignites you and you're like, boo, I'm on fire. You know, I, yeah. think, I think that's kind of just part of, like, the game of being a human is, like, okay, how do I keep myself inspired during the stressful days, during the lulls? I mean, look, we could talk about today, for example, like, you know, our country and world is mourning the loss of Kobe. I mean, I feel it. Mm -hmm. Everybody feels Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, that's part of the collective of like what we go through as humans, the ups and the downs. And like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to watch the Grammys last night, but I was catching up on some reading this morning and I was watching Alicia Keys and, you know, she had to host the Grammys hours after and she did such a beautiful job of acknowledging Mm -hmm. it, but being like a force of light. Mm -hmm. And like, like I literally felt lighter watching her. And I was like, that is such an important lesson and reminder and just like look at her go like she held those people I felt like in her hands and in her heart and just was like we're gonna stay positive we're gonna honor him we're gonna celebrate him and like this is why we do what we do and I think that that's obviously a very huge example of but what I think what you're saying is just like being responsible. You have to like being responsible for your vibration and the world and how you handle the ups and downs and how you take responsibility for keeping yourself vibrant or positive or inspired. And, you know, so if you're not in the room as much and you have to put yourself on tape, then make it your own acting class, you know, have your friend, have your friend put yourself on tape and make your friend really fucking work you, you know, give the best audition you can. Like it don't, turn it in tell it's not great tell it's great you know um i think that like i think that and because we are living in a in a time where there it is more technology based at times than than personal um i think that's important it's like okay so how can you push yourself in this space um 
Or like my friend just got me interested in the ukulele. And I'm like, you know what? This is, a, <laughs> this is like a great thing for me to have in my dressing room to like keep my my vibration high in between takes where like I don't need to be talking. I can conserve my energy. But it's also like going to something really cool and positive and like never in my life did I think I'd learn how to play the ukulele. And like here I am, you know. But that's awesome. And I, I agree. I think like, we, and we talk about that a lot, Blair and I, about, you know, operating on a level where we're like maintaining a higher vibration um, because yeah. then that just like permeates into all facets of your life. And especially as an artist, as a creative, like to operate on that level, it's, it's important, but also, um, you know, not always easy. Yeah. yeah, not easy at all. I don't think any of it is easy, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm so curious. Yeah. Where do you feel like you received, like, your best training? Was it, like, from the get-go? Was it in a class setting, one-on-one? Has this changed? I love what you're saying about, like, working with a friend and, like, not letting them stop until you until they get where they need to be and vice versa. But, like, where, where if you had it, like, what's your go-to place when you know you really have to prepare? Um couple different things it depends on the role um but I I took a class when I was like 16 in Florida I actually lied it was the only adult class they offer because a lot of classes in Florida are fantastic but there it's much more based around commercial training because that's what's there Mm -hmm. so this was like one of the few like heavy acting method classes it was in Tampa so I would drive four nights a week I was 16 I lied said I was 18 um (laughs) gotta do what you gotta do yeah she taught me kind of a number of tools that you can kind of pick up any script and go through and use these tools and 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 that was what I first took to LA with me those tools and then I think like anything else um you know, experience being, being, whether it be auditions or classes or on set has also taught me like what works for me and what doesn't. And surprisingly, there was some very good teachers in LA people told me to go to that I did not jive with. And in fact, I felt like actually kind of, they were working so hard to make me do their way instead of kind of elevating my way with adding their way in that it really didn't yeah. work for me. It kind yeah. of actually made me terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like I was well, like, it gets you in your head, stuff. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it suddenly was not. And so I then had to learn like, oh, okay. It's not that I suck. It's just that this isn't for me. And that's okay. Cause I, cause they're such good teachers that I was like, wait, I'm supposed to be great here. And this is supposed to make me better. And it's making me worse. What's wrong with me? And I was like, okay, wait a minute. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that learning had to come like at a price. I mean, I, I would leave like with a stomach ache, like, oh my God, am I not, am I ever going to make it? Like this is, mm-hmm. so I think it's kind of a combination of that foundation that I first discovered when I was still in Florida combined with years of the yes and no's, what works and what doesn't. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, really just my, my spiritual practice and my spiritual growth. And like I mentioned earlier, I love human behavior. And I think in my spiritual growth, I've learned a lot about, you know, um, when you open up yourself and you're like truly, truly get to know yourself, like the deep, dark pieces of yourself that you hide from the world and the stillness that a lot of people are afraid of. And Mm -hmm. when you get to know yourself intimately, I think everything becomes a little less scary, meaning like you can throw yourself into a role and explore the deepest, darkest depths of yourself and bring that to the role 
without question or doubt. And um, it doesn't mean I'm not afraid or nervous or vulnerable putting myself out there, but it does mean like the deeper I know myself, I actually feel the better I am in a role. Um, So that's kind of what I... And you, you, really draw on. you find that in your spiritual practice or is there like a coach you work with one-on-one or is it, is it writing? Like what gets you to that place, to those darker places? Do you have a favorite? Um, I feel like I've done a number of different, you know, I've gone to Bali four times working with healers. I've oh, been in life wow. coaching classes. I've, <laughs> I, I practice Reiki. I do acupuncture. Ooh. I mean, there's just like a number of different things that I truly, truly believe in and mm-hmm. practice and meditate. And, um, I just think for, for me personally, that's who I am in this world. You yeah. know, um, I don't push it on anyone, but for me, I didn't really truly believe in it. And, um, and then beyond that, there are roles that if I feel I need to get the words out before an audition, like I'll do like a quick 30 minute with a coach in LA, just so I know, like, Hey, you know, I'll run in like, Hey, here's my choices. Here's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Let's run it just to make sure I'm like on track and then I'll run to the audition. So again, I think it's about like having all your tools and then knowing mm-hmm. what's right for which I like, there's some, some auditions where I don't want to run it until I walk in the room, right. you know, and then there's other auditions where I do want to run it. And so I think it's just, again, about like knowing what works for what thing. Yeah. Well, and it's again, like kind of that intuitive feeling of like, all right, well, this is what I need for this. And that's what works. But speaking on spirituality, is that so is that what made you start your own podcast? Because Blair and I listen. We listen. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Spiritualgasm. I love the name. We love it. Uh, Tell us about that and how that kind of came about. Yes. I know in this day and age, we got to cross promote our podcast. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah. So uh, Sterling Jones, who's the other co-host on it, he's one of my best friends. And, uh, you know, it was kind of birthed out of the fact that we just always found ourselves when we got together talking about spirituality and sexuality and like these conversations we would find they would just blend together all the time it's like one minute we'd be talking about like penis the next minute we'd be talking about like meditating and And it it was just like yeah man that's how it is you know (laughs) who doesn't want to talk about sex who doesn't want to talk about dating and who doesn't want to feel better you know it's just like preach so right and so And I also found that, like, you know, if you're having trouble dating or this or that, like, like, we'd start a conversation about dating and then it would end on, like, our self-worth or our Mm -hmm. self, like, where we are or, like, what we're attracting. Like, why are we Mm -hmm. dating this particular type of person right now or whatever? So that's kind of how it was like, you know what? These things are so interconnected and so fabulous and wonderful and it's okay that some of them are uncomfortable to talk about and it's okay that others are comfortable to talk about and we just wanted to kind of create a space where people could laugh with us cry with us grow with us and realize that like it doesn't have to be so woo woo like you know like like I mentioned earlier I meditate I have crystals everywhere but like I also love wine and tequila and I think like both are okay (laughs) I think that's a healthy balance (laughs) it's a perfectly healthy balance (laughs) 
You're making it all super accessible and relatable. (laughs) That's how it should be. At least for, at least to me. Yes, absolutely. And I know, you know, I have my own journey with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and and my friends do, you know, my family, I've been through it with my family. We're all same. So it's, yeah. See, and that's the thing to hear you say me too. And same. It's like, it's like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But, but struggle is real. (laughs) Yeah. But for so long, I don't think it was more just like that same or true would be like in your head and not actually come out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you'd hear someone talking and in your head, you'd be like, oh yeah, same. I totally get it. But Mm -hmm. you wouldn't actually say it out loud. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the difference. And I think it's so cool that you both were like, yeah, same. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Get it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's really important. And I also think like I work with the crisis text line and it's an amazing organization. They have counselors available 24 seven on text and, um, you know, it's everything from trouble with your homework to bullying, to abusive parents, to suicidal thoughts. I mean, it, it runs the gamut of, of as far as what they can help with. But, um, and, and the reason I really support them is they're a data-based company. So they run stats year round to see, you know, how they're helping people, where the struggles are, what, what are trigger words, what are keywords, like, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is based on data. Um, and, I was having a conversation with someone there as far as like this year, what do we want to focus on? And another thing I spoke about was like self-care. Like, I think, you know, that term almost can be thought of as like, almost like a, a rich person world, like a, a word, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, well, like, you know, I don't have the money to go get a privilege. massage every week or mm-hmm. I don't have, yeah, privilege. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, self-care can be making time to read 15 minutes of a book at night instead yeah. of being on Instagram or, you know, taking a hot bath and putting down your phone or calling a friend and saying like, you know, so-and-so said this to me today, made me feel like shit, I can't shake it right. or whatever that self-care is, it doesn't actually even need to involve money. And sometimes if it involves money, that's fucking great too. Cause you feel like you're treating yourself yeah. like, wow, I'm not going to spend money on this this week because I'm going to go get myself a massage next week. And so when I get it, I feel great. Cause I earned it and I, you know, set aside money for it or whatever that looks like for you. But I just felt, I feel like self-care is so 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 important Mm -hmm. and needs to be thought of as less of a privileged word and more as an everyday lifestyle and and for men as well you know to involve men in the conversation of self-care and that they can feel masculine in Mm -hmm. doing so and mm-hmm. supported in their masculinity. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Self care is sexy. I think. Well, I think too. Like the right. easiest, the easiest way, like the easiest form of self self care could also just be like knowing your boundaries. Hell yeah. And having boundaries, like you said, you know, it's like instead of being on Instagram, I'm going to meditate for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. kind of like a a boundary you're putting on yourself, and, and not in a way that's like. Uh, preventing you from doing something it's a healthy boundary absolutely I love that I love that that's a that's a great like catchphrase (laughs) I saw something the other day it was um just like a little phrase of strong boundaries and wild freedom within and I I hadn't thought of it like that before and like really understood why uh, boundaries are so necessary is that when they're healthy and they're firmly in place you do have this 
wild freedom that you wouldn't necessarily have if, if they weren't there, right? And so right. I'm very much in the middle of learning about that. Um, and Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so I was particularly drawn to your episode about um, moving through trauma with equine therapy. And I really wanted to ask you what your experience with that had been because um, I feel like that's got to be such a powerful uh, tool to be able to use to work with these horses. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that you asked that. Well, obviously, since I was little, I felt the bond to horses. You know, I started riding when I was five years old. And um, I've had my own horses over the years. And I want to have a rescue ranch one day. And another organization I work with is actually Sky Dog Ranch. They're in um, Malibu and Oregon. And they rescue uh, horses from being slaughtered. I have such a strong tie to horses and I think, and their, their wisdom. And I, I think that the reason they can be so healing with people is they're incredibly intuitive mm-hmm. and sensitive. And so they're a great reflection of ourselves. So when it comes to equine therapy, sometimes when you're in trauma, you don't even know where to start or what you're putting out in the world or like what what's stirring inside of you because you're so deep in that trauma and the horses are a great reflection of that so like if you're in front of a horse and they're suddenly acting wild or crazy or nippy or you know irritable like it's hard to face but they're actually picking up on you and really just giving back Mm. what you're giving them because they're so sensitive so your energy around them is is what they're feeling so they're really showing you you that's fascinating so it's a really it's really incredible it's really hard um but they're also these beautiful huge powerful creatures Mm -hmm. that have so much love to give and so when you can work with them one-on-one and they kind of hold space for you to move past your, I mean, there's, there's programs, you know, so this doesn't all happen in, in 30 minutes. Sure. You, know, you, you go through a program um, and there's different steps in the program, like anything, but when you can see this horse going through, maybe being going from like irritable to maybe like never leaving your side and just mm. being so open and loving and licking mm. you. It's like, <laughs> it's like you go, you've gone on a journey, right. And you suddenly yeah. feel so close and connected. And it's like this horse held the space because they're gigantic. So it's also like you have this giant creature holding the space for you to mm. like work through your stuff. And, but it's a really powerful thing. So powerful. And they're, they're, they're such dignified creatures, right? They're so in line with their dignity, I feel like. And that's a word that I've been meditating on lately. It's just they, they're, they're standing in their power. And, I, and it's awesome that they're mirrors, too. And so it's like when you guys are in, um, in sync with each other, you and the horse, like it's this really kind of sacred space, right? Has that been your yeah. experience? Hmm. I really yeah. want to try it. It sounds so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're doing many, many different facets of, uh, you know, working with helping other people and working with horses and being on a show. Do you have aspirations to write or direct or create content? Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, it's something I've already started dabbling in, you know, I'll, I'll dabble in it and then put it down and then dabble and put it down. And it's definitely where I want to head. Um, 
I don't quite know what that looks like first in terms of do I write first or direct first mm-hmm. or both or, um, you know, obviously, you know, putting out the podcast is a form of beginning to create my own content. Sure and is. so I think I'll continue to build on that. Um, yeah, you have you know, such re- a unique perspective. I'm like, more, please. Aww, <laughs> it's so cool. You. I'm loving it. Aww. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm flattered. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely something. But that's the type of thing where I'm like, I have to kind of like, I I do, you know, that that's kind of like the unknown thing that's also a little scary for me right now too, right? It's like, sure. well, I do have all these ideas and aspirations and like, where do I start? You know, I've been reading a lot of books to see if I want to turn a book into something or do I want to write my own thing? Or So I'm definitely already beginning that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is going to be like, where do I want to start? Because I, I do have so many ideas. <laughs> It's a good problem. It's, yeah, it's a good problem. And I think I think we kind of, I know I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And, and so for me, my whole thing is like, well, where do I start? But it's just like just doing something, just like little. And then it'll kind of like go from there. And I think that that's, it seems to me um, that given how in line you are with yourself and how open and, and you know, the work that you've done, um, I would be really excited to see the types of stories that you tell. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you guys are you guys are making me like blush. <laughs> Good. Mission let accomplished. You know immediately when I put it out there. <laughs> yes, we're the first to know. <laughs> uh, what yes. so we do uh, at the end of our episodes we do quick fire questions. Quick fire. Okay. So <laughs> Let's do it. Ready? <laughs> oh, yeah. What is your favorite guilty pleasure? Great question. Let me think about how guilty. <laughs> <laughs> the guiltiest. Uh-oh. I know. Uh, I really want to go on an African safari. Me too. Yeah. That would be amazing. Good yeah. answer. Biggest pet peeve? Oh. So many. <laughs> <laughs> um, biggest pet peeve when I know someone's lying about something. Mm. Ugh, drives me nuts. Yeah, agreed. That's the worst. Oof. Do you have a favorite place to watch a movie? My couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is? Actually, hang on. Yeah. I have to take that back. Okay. Because I actually do love going to a movie theater to watch a movie. It's actually one of my favorite things to do. I think yeah. just in this moment, because I'm not feeling great, I was thinking my couch. But it changes. When me. I'm feeling normal at 100%, um, I love going to the movies. I love the act of like having the lights go down yeah. and. Have like the popcorn, the smell, watching previews of movies that are coming out, like the whole that will never get old for me. It will never die for me. I don't care how many <laughs> Netflix shows and movies are out there. Like I love going to the movies. Yes. Something so grand about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> what is your uh motto or mantra if you have one? Or maybe even just one for twenty twenty? Yeah, well, my um, I spent New Year's in Costa Rica, like on this wellness retreat this past uh, New Year's, and we did intentions on the beach. It was really beautiful, and mine was nourishment. So, 
for me every day now, I just have a mantra of like, how is this nourishing me? Is this nourishing me? And it actually really helps me make my decisions. Even like, am I going to go to dinner? And am I going to sit in? Am I going to be social? Am I going to be quiet? Am I going to be alone? Am I, you know, if I'm on set, should I be in my chair right now or in my dressing room? Like, like really, honestly, multiple times a day, like, how is this nourishing me? And it's been really fascinating to watch because some of my patterns are, you know, it's very easy in the moment to be social or do this or that, which isn't necessarily the most nourishing thing for me at the time. Right. Right. Um, it can be draining. So, yeah. So that's been my new, my new mantra at the moment. All right. Place you're dying to visit. What makes yeah. you happiest? <laughs> uh, at the moment, my animals. She's sitting mm-hmm. in my lap, licking my face. Aww. <laughs> How do you unwind? Um, putting down my phone. And again, at the moment, like I'll come home from a long day of work and I'll put down my phone and I'll just sit on the floor and play with my animals for like an hour. Love that. I uh, love it. I do that too. Uh, <laughs> three, what are your three best qualities? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be modest. <laughs> oh God. You can have more uh-huh. than three. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just rattle them off. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, I would say I like to like make people laugh or make them feel supported. Mm -hmm. I like to take care of myself because I feel like I'm better towards others and in this world when I do. And I feel like, um, I'm like very nurturing when it comes to supporting people through hard times and also like supporting animals, you know, like rescuing mm-hmm. or working with hurt animals. Definitely. Those you are. Qualities. <laughs> Thanks. What are my worst? Um, I'm so sensitive. It really gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> but that goes both ways, good and bad. Um, I'm incredibly sensitive. Um, I'm smart, so my brain can sometimes make up elaborate stories that are not necessarily. Uh, I also identify with you on yeah. that. <laughs> a little bit, I'm a little bit yeah. of an overthinker, yeah. overanalyzer. Uh, exactly. I tend to think and analyze a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, what's another one? Um, that I can, uh, I really have to work at putting myself to sleep sometimes. I think I can like work through the night sometimes and that's not great because then I'm not great the next day. So the other thing I've been working on 2020 is just making sure I'm going to bed at a decent hour, getting enough sleep and just watching how that kind of changes everything. Even, even like literally my mental state. Yeah. So true. A good night's sleep is Worth a million bucks. Imperative. <laughs> uh, and I have not been, I haven't been great at that in the past. And so I'm like, I'm done with that. I want to be great at that now. Yeah. <laughs> are you taking, like, do you, are you just 
I guess meditation probably helps with that. But do you take like melatonin? Do you? you are, oh my god, I cannot <laughs> take melatonin. I can't <laughs> either. Oh my, you crazy it, dreams. It, I feel no. I feel no, like I'm drugged. Yeah, it wrecks days. me. It like t- wrecks my day the next day <laughs> forever. Oh, it's so bad. I don't know how people do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. When <laughs> when was the last time you cried? Oh, like yesterday. Um, well, actually not your six ATX girls were in town. Um, (laughs) They keep you happy and laughing. Today is Monday, Friday, Friday. Leading up to our wrap, um, it was very emotional for me. Um, it's been a really demanding schedule. And like I said, I, I've loved this job, but also our leading up to our wrap week, I was doing press and filming on the show and also wrapping the show, which all the emotions come with that. And so, I, I was just feeling a lot and um I I had a I had morning press and evening press and in between I had to work on my scenes for the next day for work and I remember I just was like sat down to start working on them and I just kind of felt like very wired and angst and, and I was like what is this like? Yeah and I was like oh I just need to wail and so I all mm-hmm. of a sudden I just like wailed for like 20 minutes (laughs) and then I felt a lot better um and then I felt great going to work yeah yeah you just need that release you just gotta let it out and you don't really and like I didn't even need to know what specifically I just was like I just sat on my couch and wailed I was like whatever it is I needed it it's great and that's that you honored how you felt Mm -hmm. love it Okay, so for our final question that we ask everybody, what legacy do you want your voice to leave behind? Wow, that's so big and beautiful. (laughs) To go to source for Mm -hmm. your connection and answers, not other humans. Ah, that's so powerful. That's awesome. That's so great. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Because, like, we're just just hearing our human bodies, but, like, there's so much more we don't need the answers in like other people there. Yeah. It's so much bigger than that. We're vessels. I really yeah. like that. Oh, that hit me. <laughs> that hit me Ooh. too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see all the stuff that you're going to continue to do. And I'm, I'm still not done looking like researching on the, the things that you're behind and advocating for. And, and I'm just so grateful that your voice is out there. I'm a big fan. Oh. Thank you for taking Thank the time you. to talk to us. Absolutely. And I, I love you so much. I appreciate your podcast for coming on and really appreciate what you all do and was happy to come on. So um, so thank you for having me on and, and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank Likewise. You. <laughs> Have fun in New York. We'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Well, uh, don't be afraid to to write in and ask us your questions as well. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And follow us at Her Voice MFS. I'm Blair Bomar. I'm Alexandra Chando. Thank and you for listening. <laughs> Bye-bye. The Her Voice podcast is in association with Mammoth Media Institute and produced by Action Park Media.